Hello and welcome back to Tuesday at Dobbs's. Thank you as always, everyone, for getting in touch. The best place to do so, comment section below, or you can send me an email with a longer story, maybe some pictures to hi at tuesdayatdobbs.com. Also got an Instagram page, Tuesday underscore at underscore Dobbs. You have probably noticed the slightly different location. I wanted to film it directly where I'm looking now. Overlooking, not the finest view, but still a view of Barcelona. But the table over there is comically small and I look like I was sitting at a children's play table. So we're over here now, overlooking the window to the communal hallway here in Barcelona. I'm going to begin with some potential assistance that just came in 19 hours ago from Lithuania. This is in regards to and in response to the English gentleman, apologies, I've forgotten your name, who lives in London, had his Kawasaki ZZR 1400 stolen in London. He later found the parts for his bike for sale, Lithuanian company based in Vilnius, all being sold there happily in Lithuania. So this gentleman in London put out a cry for help. Look, if anyone knows anything about my bike or can help me or point me in the right direction, please, please get in touch. Well, I've had some feedback. As I said, under a day ago, this has just come in from Tadas all the way over in Lithuania. Freddie, I've got connections with the Lithuanian police. Please get in touch with me and we can try to see where this company in Vilnius is based and get them into trouble. Tadas, I, I will take you up on this. If you could send me your details to dob.bs at outlook.com and the English gentleman in London, send me all of the details you have to dob.bs at outlook.com. And I'm just thinking now, I think I'll give you each other's contact details so you can deal directly. So both of you get in touch with me, dob.bs, and I will then put you in touch with each other. And let's see if we can... <coughs> Excuse me, just getting over a cold. And let's see if we can make something of this, if we can actually get to the bottom of this. Anything that happens here, I will share it with you all. Moving on, speeding in Denmark. This came from a young gentleman, funnily enough, in Finland last week who was going about double the legal limit in Finland, lost his license for six months, six months and a 2,300 euro fine. He said that one of his friends confirmed that in Denmark, the laws around speeding are even stricter. And I've got confirmation here from Mr. Michael Falk. Hello from Denmark. Yes, over 100% over the limit, at least 100 kilometers an hour, and you will have your car seized and it will be sold even if you don't own that car or motorbike. So don't loan out your car or motorbike here in Denmark. It's an insane law, but remember this if you're visiting Denmark. A Norwegian tourist lost his Lamborghini speeding. Oh, that is brutal. And I move on, speeding in France from Colum Murray. Here in France, excessive speed, your motorbike will be seized and stolen will be seized and stolen, will be seized and sold. A favorite is Brits racing for the ferry. The best one I've read is a UK youth rushing for the ferry 
in his dad's new, MB, new BMW, seized and sold. I've done that a few times. Race to the ferry thinking I'm going to miss it. Luckily, my vehicles are always underpowered, so I'll never get in too much trouble. Moving on, Honda CL500 and owner's insight. These are lovely little Hondas. If you're looking for something retro, I think it's very difficult to go far wrong with one of these. This is first-hand insight. What is the reality of living with one of these simple, elegant little Hondas? And this is from Wire Forest Biker. The CL500 is clearly the one to pick. But I would say that having owned one since launch and running a CL500 based YouTube channel, details here. It's not a direct competitor to the Himalayan though. It's a styling exercise rather than an off-road bike as such. It's got bulletproof reliability. The 500 Twin is surely one of the most proven engines in motorcycling. Honda build quality, residuals and backup, 8,000 mile service intervals and ultra cheap running costs. This is amazing. I get 93 miles per gallon on my dash, no matter how I ride it. The first service was 145 pounds from the main dealer. Lots of high quality Honda accessories or aftermarket ones available. And it's honestly a hoot to ride. For me, it's a no brainer. On to, oh, I like this. The best bike to travel the world on. I said, if I had a budget of 3,000 pounds, you surely cannot go wrong with a BMW F800 GS, pictured here. I said last week, surely if I want to go everywhere from motorway mile munching to crossing the Sahara Desert, to gentle off-roading, to anything the roads can throw at me, on-road and off-road, to putting panniers on, lots of luggage, even a bit of two-up, if I want something rugged, dependable, that really can take on the world, then surely a good mid-size BMW is all the bike I will ever need. And I said, beat that, beat that for a do-it-all bike that will get you anywhere. Three grand, that BMW is unbeatable. And I read through every single email, every comment, every message. And I've whittled it down to two very, very clear winners here. I've got rid of all of the rest. If there were a few people every now and again mentioning one bike, I got rid of it. I wanted to see what the vast majority of you were recommending. And it comes down to two kings of the do-it-all bike. There is no other competition as far as you are all concerned with regards to reliability, parts availability, and popularity from you, the riders. I think I'm going to begin this just with a bit of your feedback, first of all, on my choice, the BMW F800 GS. And I begin. Freddie from South Africa, seeing the bike of the week, F800 GS, I agree with the points you noted. Having had a 2013 example myself, it's certainly a good value bike for the money and a reliable all-rounder. I had to sell mine following a move in October 2020 from South Africa to the UK. I've been in the UK for three years now. 
I considered buying another F800GS again when arriving in the UK. I did, however, purchase a Yamaha Tenere 700 just for the sake of trying something different. I've lived in the northwest of England for two years and now living in the Cotswolds for the past year. Fun facts on my old F800GS. I purchased it used with the equivalent of 45,000 miles and I sold it with 51,000 miles on the clock. Get ready for this. I bought it for £2,800 and I sold it two years later with 6,000 miles extra on the clock. £2,950. That's a £150 profit after enjoying it for 6,000 miles. Just a bit of fun touring around South Africa. The benefit, of course, in South Africa, no salt on the roads. So it's very easy to keep clean. Dion, these pictures that you put up as I was discussing. South Africa. Many people tell me this. South Africa looks like just as beautiful a place to ride as, as I think I've ever seen. Those nice soft off-roading tracks, endless countryside that, that almost looks like areas of, of Tuscany. It's beautiful. And that bike, that F800GS just fits so perfectly in that kind of scenario. Lovely looking thing. Moving on. Mystery biker. Freddie, I wouldn't touch BMWs. See, this is, BMWs are so polarizing. I wouldn't touch BMWs with a barge pole, mystery biker said. I've had one a while ago and it was fault after fault. Failed dash, broken down three times in three weeks. Each different electrical problem. Had issues with new BMWs too. Chris replies to that, well, I've had my BMW 10 years now, no issues so far. And I would say for every negative point on BMWs, there is an army of GS riders who say they've done 100,000 miles with no issue at all. They're bulletproof. They would never buy anything else. On to Mark. Freddie, travel the world on a BMW F800 GS? Well, I've owned an 800. It is very good until you need parts and or break down in Asia or South America. Look, for global rides, can a BMW be bettered? Well, yes, and you personally know the bike. Honda 600, Honda 650 or 700 Transalp. I begin with the two kings of affordable take on the world biking and I'm going to put up a picture of a used one on either side of me now. Let's put the Honda Transalp 650 here and let's put, you know it, Suzuki V-Strom 650 here. I can't remember the exact prices as I'm discussing these but these are both around the £2,000 mark. Both of these adverts, I'm just putting these up so you've got reference, the pictures and images of the bike in your head as I discuss a little bit of this feedback on the bikes. Both of them very specifically in the adverts say, has never let me down. Completely bomb-proof engines. I didn't pick these adverts specifically because they said that. It's just completely coincidental. The first two good value, V-Strom and Africa, 
and Transalp, sorry, Transalps that I found online both happen to say from each seller has never let me down. It's almost boring. These bikes are so good, so dependable and so reliable. So have these two images up in your mind now. And I've had to whittle this down because there were so many people backing these claims up that I couldn't possibly read them all out. I begin just wrapping up with Mark here. Honda 600, 650 or 700 Transalp. Bomb proof, fixable anywhere by most anyone. A good one can be bought for around 3,000 pounds. Move on to Sam. Yes, you can buy the top BMW GS800, but if you prefer reliability, affordability, parts availability, durability, superior comfort, cheaper maintenance, then of course you buy a Suzuki V-Strom 650. It may not be the most sexy, fastest bike, but you will love it as a trustworthy workhorse that's capable to make you grin and put a grin on your face, sorry, every single day for many, many miles to come. And driving it through the Alps, it will amaze you how good it is on small winding roads with bad surfaces. And you can buy a beep load of parts for it cheaply. On to Moto Travel Action. Budget bike for two and a half to three thousand pounds for everything. There is only one Freddy. It's the Honda Transalp XL650 2005 model. Bought mine for 1700 pounds. Never regretted it, these bikes are indestructible. On to Nikitis. Freddy, for me, it would be unequivocally the Suzuki V-Strom 650. Every single day of the week. Incredibly competent, almost indestructible adventure bikes. The right amount of CCs, cylinders, torque, power, frugal on fuel, parts galore having been around for decades, excellent weather protection, comfort no matter what size, and just a sweet handling, steering sounding bike that does its job so well on so many environments. It's perhaps the Goldilocks bike of the modern era. It is almost, it is almost boring how good these two bikes are. I think I think they're the most universally loved bikes by their owners that I have ever experienced doing any of this podcast and related stuff in the past three years. Some people say the Honda NC750, but a few people say there's one big job where you have to take the engine out, meaning it can't be considered one of the best all-around bikes. And that's why these two bikes that I've just mentioned are the kings. Let's wrap this up now. Chinese bikes. Let's try and wrap this conversation up as concisely as possible, but I don't know if this will be possible. So to do so, I have taken what I like to class or what I like to think of as the broadest possible opinion and condensed it down. And I'll begin with Carl, who sums up a lot of people's feelings in probably the most extreme way. This is with regards to my podcast last week from Carl. Well, I'm two minutes, 25 seconds into this podcast and no, I will not watch this. I will not support any motorcycles that are Chinese made. Three reasons for this. Number one, stolen R&D, stolen research and development. Number two, I will not support that economy if I can help it as long as Xi Jinping 
or Jinping is in power, and three, and they are almost always crap. Anyway, sorry, buddy, I'm out of this. I refuse to watch even one more second of it. Have a good day, and I'll see you later. Carl, on to Witter G. The ongoing criticism on Chinese-built products, well, does anyone complain about this with regards to their iPhones? Correct. Let's have a look. Sorry, for the people listening, not viewing, I'm looking at my Apple Mac. There's no way the US surely would make it in China. Designed, of course, here you go, designed by Apple in California. Ah. Assembled in China. There you go. It's true. They are made in China. And am I complaining? No, no, I'm not. Moving on. Rebel Rider 247. There is an Italian. This is regards to the Chinese made Benelli TRK 502. There are a lot of people praising this bike, that little Benelli. There's an Italian who rode a TRK 502X over 85,000 kilometers, covering 26 countries in a little over two years. He did have some problems down the line, but it managed to get up to 85,000 kilometers on the odometer. And I think that proves that the Benelli can go the distance. He does have a YouTube channel and it's this, Zero Highways. On to Mithun Katha. There's a Pakistani gentleman Actually, sorry, I added gentleman there, could be a lady. There's a Pakistani as well that took the Benelli from Austria to Pakistan and back on a TRK502X. These, these bikes, these Benellis get good feedback or good feedback from all of you. I think these are good little bikes if anyone's considering them. On to Luddite. 6239. The Benelli TRK502 has been the top or second best-selling bike in Italy for the past three years, so the Chinese connection clearly isn't bothering the Italians, who are famously brand-conscious. And I'll wrap the whole thing up here on China with something that a good four or five older bikers have chimed in with. And this is bikers who remember biking in the 60s and 70s, where maybe they started riding and everyone was on British bikes, because back then, in theory at least, British bikes ruled the roads and they made the best bikes. But then the Chinese, then the Chinese came along, then the Japanese came along. And they remember this well, so Rika Timan sums it up here. Having grown up and started riding in the 1960s, I saw the way the Japanese motorcycles came into the market. All of the real motorcycles of the time were totally opposed. Oh, sorry, all of the real motorcyclists of the time were totally opposed to riding the Japanese stuff. But between 1966, when I started riding, and 1969 when I bought my Yamaha DT1. Then in 1970 when I bought my Honda CB750, the entire motorcycle world changed in four years. 
and I believe we have the same situation with the current Chinese motorcycle invasion. They will soon be offering quality on par with or better than the, the Europeans for substantially less money. On to a Kawasaki in Houston. Freddie, writing from Houston, Texas. I'm writing to share my excitement about, oh, this is lovely, Christian. Pictures up here. You know, I never consider this bike if, if I were to buy a new one. And there is no good reason, Christian, why I shouldn't. And the more I think about it, the more people like you get in touch, the more I think, would this not tick every box? I begin. I'm writing to share my excitement about my new bike, 2022 Kawasaki W800 Twin. I bought it secondhand just a week ago with one and a half thousand miles on the clock. Completely stock, mint condition. The total cost after documentation, fees, etc. was 6,600 US dollars. These bikes are made in Japan and it shows in the absolutely beautiful quality and elegance of the build. They come equipped with a center stand, helmet lock, dual analog clocks and a smooth but characterful air-cooled parallel twin making enough power for pretty much any real-world situation. The gearbox is smooth and lovely to operate and the bike feels at least 50 kilos lighter than the Royal Enfield Interceptor 650. I could go on and on, but I don't want this email to get tiresome, so I will just advise you to take a serious look at this bike. These are just as elegant, Christian, as, as anything I've seen, as any other modern classic. They always go under the radar, but they're beautiful-looking things. Thank you, Christian. On to a saga. A Harley-Davidson Tri-Glide-shaped tri saga. Tri-Glide is the big tricycle from Harley-Davidson. This is a, a saga that I was first contacted about in early April. Let me begin from the start of the saga. 6th of April, and I'm doing a few quotes here from the email string I've had. The Harley-Davidson was sent into the shop to get worked on for the brakes. 30th of April, Harley parts order backlog. June the 30th, I've been waiting for three months and just been told mid-July for the front brake calipers. They are apparently, or there are apparently no front brake calipers for my 2018 Harley-Davidson Tri-Glide Ultra Classic in the UK, the EU, and the USA. July the 7th. True to form, Harley have said that today they are now expecting the brakes on the 24th of July. September 13th, Harley have machined the front calipers and rebuilt them as the new calipers may not arrive until January 2024. And this is now April, May, June, July, August, five months. I continue, October the 5th, got the trike back. That's a good six months or so later. But then, two months later, and I'm quoting here, I had to send the Tri-Glide back down to Harley-Davidson as one of the silencers had vibrated loose while I was out for a ride. By the time you've got this back in full working order, that will be the best part of eight months without a bike. Moving on, finding the right bike for you. This is from Liam. 
Hi Freddy, I have or had a Triumph Bonneville 865, the exact same spec as yours. I loved it, or I thought I did. It was my first bike. I had thoughts of Steve McQueen and popping off to the coffee shops. This was my idea of biking. But the reality just wasn't the case. I'd count on one hand the amount of coffee shops I'd go on. I mainly did trips over to the lakes or Durham valleys for the day. My bonnie didn't inspire me with confidence and I was regularly battered by the cold northeastern wind. This led me to choosing to just not go out as I wasn't enjoying the experience. But then I did what I thought I would never do and I changed bikes. I bought an Africa Twin on a 17 plate for 17 and a half thousand pounds. I have sacrificed the coolness of the Bonneville for just wanting to use the Africa Twin and go out. It's comfortable, I'm six foot three, and inspires confidence due to the way it rides, plus ABS, etc. It's about finding your style of bike, and that takes time. Much like your friend Danny, who is on that huge KTM after his bobber, Liam. Liam, this, this perfectly demonstrates. We are all different. There is a bike for each and every one of us, and it takes a long time. It took me maybe eight years. That sounds insane. Maybe eight years to figure out the kind of bike that I like. It takes us all a while, and we all like different bikes. There is no right or wrong answer. You just have to figure out the kind of bike you like that suits the kind of rider and person that you are. And you've brought me perfectly on, Liam, to the bike of the week. I thought I cannot ignore this Africa twin that you speak of. This is the Honda CRF 1000 Africa twin produced from 2016 to 2019. It's the 1000cc engine. If I just go on to MCN, MCN rating, five out of five. Owner's rating, 4.4 out of five. Owner's reliability rating, 4.3 out of five. The power is 94 horsepower. The weight is 232 kilograms. Now, MCN say that you can get one of these for six and a half thousand pounds plus. I begin with a few little excerpts here from MCN. The Africa Twin inspires confidence on the dirt immediately, regardless of your off-road experience. Its physical size makes it a breath of fresh air in the current 1200cc plus dominated adventure bike class. The parallel twin motor making it both narrow and low. The impeccable fueling and throttle connection makes for assured rapid progress, but the 94 horsepower motor fails to truly inspire. On the road, the bike is seriously comfortable. The seat is spacious, as is the relation to your foot pegs, meaning there's plenty of room for six foot plus riders. And finally, a bit on the engine. While it's smooth, linear power doesn't necessarily excite off-road, or on-road, sorry. Off-road, it is close to perfection. So what can you get one of, or what can you get for, should we say 6,000 pounds, the entry level 
thousand cc Africa twin. Well, I'm delighted. Let's have a look to say, have I found one? Yes, I have. There's one. I found one online, anywhere, anywhere. For this variant, this thousand cc Africa twin, there is one available right now for five thousand. £995. On Autotrader, being sold through a trader. This is, and I'm quoting, I guess this must be the last of 2015, so they classed it as 2016. They've said, introducing the Honda 2015 Africa Twin in a striking colour of red with low mileage, 26,000. This tour model comes with a six-speed manual transmission, powerful 1,000cc engine, well-maintained, full service history, and an independent vehicle inspection has been carried out to ensure quality. And it even comes with all of the panniers. So that is two panniers either side and the top box. Beautiful gold forks, lovely red and white styling throughout. Surely a bike to take on the world. Bulletproof 1000cc engine, unstressed with about 90 horsepower. Is it possible to get a more complete motorcycle than that? And for just £6,000, I think that's phenomenal. The great thing, the beautiful thing about this, about all of the bikes I've mentioned today, whether it's the Suzuki V-Strom, whether it's the Honda Trans, out both of those £2,000, or whether it's this Africa Twin at just under £6,000. You know, the magic of this, the reason I'm so excited for bikes like this, these are highly competent bikes, incredibly reliable, robust, well-built. They open up the world of worldwide travel. Buy a motorbike, take on the world, go anywhere you want. These bikes will get you there and they will get you back home again. This is the magic of Japanese bikes. They just build brilliant machines. At the very core, the very heart of all Japanese bikes, first and foremost, above all else, above all styling, above anything else, their DNA is in reliability. And that's exciting in itself. And I will wrap it up there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Have a brilliant week. I'll speak to you all in the next one.